Welcome to Arise Life, a community of believers being equipped, empowered, and released into their destiny. For more information, go to arisealife.org or follow us on Facebook, Twitter, or Instagram. I love how the Lord arranges this. We've been coming to this place for 12 weeks. And I didn't do the math that this was Pentecost. I, I'm not that smart. Uh, you would say counting to 12 shouldn't be complicated. But, um, but we've been going through, the bio, we've been going through these, these fundamentals of the faith. And they've been leading us to this place of what is it that we are as a church? What are we called to? And so, if you guys remember last week, Jesus gave the disciples a mission. Do you guys remember what it was? Matthew 28. Matthew 28. But yes, that's in there too. Yes. No, those are means of a method. The mission is this. What? He said first, he so. All authority has been given to me. Next slide. So therefore, go, right? Go. Go, and when you're going, what are you supposed to do? Make disciples. disciples. And when you make disciples, how are you going to do that? What are you going to do? You're going to baptize them, and you're going to teach them what? To obey what? Everything I have commanded you. Everything I have. Okay? So this was their mission. Uh, Anybody here, you got a mission from God, and you're like, I got this. Nobody? Like, you're just like, I can handle this. I've got this. But what does he say? He says, go. And and over in Mark, he says, man, all these signs will follow you, so I'm going to empower you. But he said something else. He said, but, and we flip over to Acts chapter 1. What does he say? He says, he says, do not leave Jerusalem, but wait. Wait, you just told me to go. He told me to go. Now he says, wait. Wait for what? Wait for? For the gift my father promised, which you have heard me speak about. Now, the funny thing is, if you guys remember over in John, he breathed on them and he said, what? Receive the Holy Spirit. I thought we already had it. Anybody have something, have like some sort of, uh, some sort of technology, and then a friend came over and said, you don't realize you're barely using this thing. It has all kinds of capability. Anybody know what I'm talking about? They had Holy Spirit, but they had not, well, I would say this, they may have taken Holy Spirit for a spin, but Holy Spirit hadn't taken them for a spin. <laughs> you tracking with me? So, so here's the question. You may have Holy Spirit, but does Holy Spirit have you? See, see, one is a gift. The other involves surrender. And so what he, what he says, he says, wait, wait. Again, waiting is risk. I don't know what's coming. He doesn't say how long to wait either. And he says, wait. And, and I don't, I, again, it was 10 days. Can you imagine waiting? Like, okay, okay. Some of you were incredibly uncomfortable in our waiting time at the end of service. And that was like just now, while you were doing this, darling. 10, 10 15 minutes. 
Try 10 days. I promise you, it started out, glory, glory, meeting. By the end, it was like, oh, right? Wait, wait. I'm not going to make another way. I'm not going to try to do something in my own strength. I'm going to wait. But I love this. And the, and the disciples said, totally, Lord, we understand. Is that what they said? No. Because he said, for, he said and he said, the, it's, for John baptized you with water, but in a few days you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit. Then, and baptized, we said this before, baptized means fundamentally changed, kind of like a, a cucumber into a pickle, never to be the same, right? And he said that, um, then he gathered them around them and they asked him a question. Okay, he just gave them a mission and he told them they're going to receive the power to do the mission. So what was their question? It's such a good question. Lord, at this time, are you going to restore the kingdom of Israel? Anybody feel like you took a left turn at Albuquerque? I'll be honest. When I read this in the past, I'd be like, okay, they were just weird. Whatever. Moving on. But I realized something. If you look at throughout the Gospels and then into Acts, they are expecting what kind of kingdom? Governmental overthrow. They're getting themselves fitted for what? You remember James and John and their mom came and they were like, hey, can we sit on the left and right? That wasn't like on a bench. That meant on thrones. They were planning to sit on 12 thrones and judge the tribes of Israel. They were waiting for what? Finance, power, prestige, and come up, comeuppance. A.K. Ha ha! You know, right? That was what they were waiting for. And Jesus, I love it, he doesn't correct them. Isn't that great? Who here thinks you have the perfect theology? I'm good. I'd have to say you're deluded, right? Including me. None of us has perfect theology. Perfect theology means we know everything God does, everything he, we know everything he knows, and we're in full alignment with him. But what Masha said, if we're not, and, and what Marina said, we have always got to be willing to lay down the past to step into the new. So where did they get this image of the kingdom? Do you guys remember there was that 10 commandments that God was like, let's do life together, just 10 commandments. The first four are just me, baby, just me, right? We're going to be exclusive from here on out. And the next five were like, and by the way, if you're exclusive with me, that means you're going to be exclusive with your wife. You're not going to steal from people. You're not going to, you're not going to kill people. You know, you're going to keep my Sabbath holy and you're not going to abuse your workers. And then also, by the way, you're going to need to not covet. Uh, we'll get to that later. And what did they say when he offered that deal? That is just too easy. Just 10 rules. Could we have 617? Maybe 2,000, because that's a little more our speed, right? They said, no, we don't trust you. We don't want a relationship with you. We want to do life. We, and God said, you know what? This is the amazing thing about God is he meets us where we're at. So God comes down off the mountain. He said, if you want to do life with me and you don't trust me, then we're going to have to do it. Kind of like, um, you know, if you don't trust somebody and you have to meet with them, you ever watch those uh, like uh, uh, a law and order shows where they have to meet with the prisoner? What's in between you and the prisoner? Plexiglass, right? And they're like, we want to meet with Jesus, but through the plexiglass because we don't trust him. We don't meet, we don't trust God. And so they're going to have this. And out of this, you come up with the temple worship. 
Out of this, you come up with, you know, in Israel, they, they built the temple, and then in Jerusalem, and then everybody had to come to the, God wanted everybody to be a priest. Instead, be, instead it became a bunch of people, a few priests serving everybody, and everybody had to come to Jerusalem. So this was a wineskin. Okay, so this idea of wineskin is what? Every year in the ancient world, the way they stored wine was in leather bags. The reason is leather will expand because as it, as it ferments, it releases gas. So it expands and it makes this really nice bag. Well, if you put new wine into old wineskin, the old wineskin is hard and it will break and crack with that pressure. So you always have to put new wine in new wineskins. Okay, agricultural people, how often do you get new wine? Once a year, right? At least once a year. Maybe you've got two crops. You can have twice a year. But every time there's a harvest, you have to have a new wineskin. Every time there's a harvest, you need a new wineskin. Now, guys, some of y'all will remember what is the call on this body is to equip, empower, and release so you can be amazing and have a wonderful life. No. For the sake of the coming harvest. For the harvest. And so what is the mission he's given them is the harvest. Who did he give this mission to? The disciples. Why did he say he was giving them the Holy Spirit? So they could do what? Sit on the thrones. Sit on on their sitters. Rule. And he told them to go where? Do you guys remember? To go to first to Jerusalem. Then where? Judea, the area around. Then where? Samaria, the neighbors we don't like. And then what? To the ends of the earth, right? That covers everything. So he told them what to do. And let's just, I want you to watch this as we go through. I want you to watch. We're just going to do story time on these first chapters of the first 13, 14 chapters of the book of Acts. And I want you to keep in mind some things. I want you to keep in mind what were they told to do and what did they do, okay? What were they, because the point of the Holy Spirit is not so we can be, ah, not so we can have goosebumps, not even so we can live great lives, but so that we can look like Jesus on this earth, that we can walk in mission with him. All right, so here we go. So Jesus dies and is resurrected, let's say 30 AD. That's generally when it was. So we'll call that the zero year. And over here, we have Acts, Acts chapter one. All right, let's see here. So, and they, uh, I love it. While they're waiting, they did something. Do you guys, anybody here done stupid things while you're waiting? You get bored waiting? Nobody? Right? And I love it. And, and it says Peter stood up and he was like, ah, well, uh, we need another one because we're having 12 thrones. We need us another uh, apostle because, you know, Judas, let's not talk about it. Right? And so let's, and they come up with a guy by the name of Matthias because they fasted and prayed. And then what did they do? Because they still didn't have any, they didn't have any wisdom yet. So they just rolled dice. Yeah, just saying. Anyway, not, needless to say, we never hear from Matthias again. He just, he just kind of washed out. But anyway, again, aren't you glad that God sometimes washes out your little decisions? It's for, okay, never mind. 
All right. So then the Holy Spirit comes upon them. Ten days later, Holy Spirit comes on them. And what is the automatic reaction to the Holy Spirit coming on his people? 3,000 are saved in a day. So what is the Holy Spirit there for? For the mission. The mission of the church. Good. Oh, man, we're 3,000 in a day. How quickly are we going to get the whole world? This thing's going to be over by next week. <laughs> Apparently, you've read further on. All right, so there we have this thing. What did they do? What did they do in response? We talked about this last week. He said, they devoted themselves. This, the way they did discipleship is they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching. They gathered in groups of probably two or 300 in the uh, courts of Solomon for the apostles' teaching. They devoted them and to fellowship of the breaking of bread, gathering at home, doing life. You know what I found? There's only two types of believers. People who want deep, deep, deep relationship, but they don't want to do big church. And the people who want big church, but please no deep relationship, right? There's only two choices, right? Anybody know what I'm talking about? No? Okay. There's some little... There, well, we tend to gravitate to one ga- ditch or the other, right? Where we're like, it's just my little safe island, or I don't want relationship, right? But anyway, he does both. And then, because we've got to walk these out in relationship, and then to prayer. And they had this prayer service that they had um, where they would have prayer three times a day in Judaism, and most of that was in the temple. So it was kind of like a worship service. They had musical instruments, and they sang the psalms. All right, so they're doing all this. And it says, and the Lord added to their number daily those who believed, who were being saved. Wow, this is great. 3,000, 3,000, moves on. Oh, this is great. We're going to be done maybe a month, maybe a month tops, right? So then about a year later, so you got to stay with this. You don't kind of pick this up. You kind of have to figure this out from, from other lines. But about a year later, um, so this is Acts 3. A year later, we have the whole thing where, um, you remember, Peter and Jay, uh, John were going up to where? The temple to pray, right? They were coming for the prayer time, right? And they were on their way, and they heal a guy. And as a result of healing this guy, all of a sudden, they start preaching the gospel. And as a result of preaching the gospel, everything turns out well for them. Because that's what I signed up for. When I gave my life to Jesus, it was to make my life better. What happens to them? They get arrested. That is not what I signed up for. I'm sorry, Lord. I, obviously, some mix-up in the package. I didn't sign up for it. They get arrested. They get taken before the Sanhedrin. They um, end up getting, uh, you know, they end up getting uh, flogged, I think, this time. And anyway, and what happens is um, the believers pray, and they're released. And I love what they say. They go, Lord, let this never happen again. What do they pray? Now, Lord, consider their threats. Listen to them. And enable your servants to speak your word with great boldness. Stretch out your hand to heal. Perform more signs and wonders. We like that first one that got us thrown in jail. Let's have another. Guys, guys, if our goal is a good, quiet life. We're in the wrong kingdom. The Lord gave me this image. 
And, and I want to say this right now. I'm speaking to you at, from a place of repentance, and you'll see that more as we go along. But the Lord gave me this image of our church at large today. Our church, uh, every one of us, when we come into the church, if you have any experience with church, you expect to find something that you recognize. True? Right? And it's like uh, the same way that the disciples were expecting a kingdom like they had seen, right? David built the kingdom. They, they expected the same thing, that everybody would be gathered to Jerusalem, right? And we'll sit on our thrones. We're just waiting for our thrones to be built, right? And they're expecting that. And the same thing, every time we come to the church, we expect to see what we've seen, which is old wineskin. How can you expect to see what you've never seen? Anybody see a problem? And so as a result, if we keep expecting to see what we want, we expect to see, um, it's, it's like this. We come in and we go, I'm sorry, what kind of bread do you guys have here? Well, we, today we have an artisanal um, whole grain with a crushed barley. Oh, I love that. That's great. Is it gluten-free? No, I only go to gluten-free churches right? Right? No, that we, every flavor of bread, right? Is you know, we, we, we become experts on flavor of bread. Who are my people? You know all the flavors and you've tried them all. I, that's me, right? You know, you've done the food court of them all and you're like, I work on my own recipes at home, right? So, but do you want to know out there in the world, they don't care. They want to know, do you have bread? They're starving, and we have become connoisseurs, and we're judging everybody's bread-making skills, and all they are is starving in the world for bread. And I would submit this. If we make it about the mission, we will not be so fixated on the recipe. Moving on. So they move on, and they pray, and said, as a result of this, so this is probably about year two, um, they are... they are now sharing their possessions. Why? Because people's stuff ran out. They have need. Again, I did not sign up to be in a relationship with God so I could be in need. Do you know why we are in need? Because it makes us need one another. Because it breaks down the barriers between us. I don't like that. But I will do it. And in the middle of this, we see who led the charge in sharing all their stuff. A guy by the name of Barnabas. Barnabas, who wasn't even from Jerusalem, wasn't even one of the original disciples. The disciples aren't leading the way Barnabas is. Why? Because they're still getting seated for thrones, fitted for thrones. And then we have the Ananias and Sapphira thing. You guys remember? Man, we're not going to do that today. But they, they were a couple. They tried to fake like they were sacrificing everything. And uh, Peter calls down, okay, Mush has moved me on. We'll just say, it didn't end well. I would submit too, it may not, it was not necessarily uh, what God had in, 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 in for them. It says, it goes on, the apostles healed many, then the apostles, again, are persecuted. <sighs> That's not what I signed up for. And we come into it, and, but they're still, they're growing, they're growing, they're growing, and then we come to a problem. Now, I have a question. Have they gone anywhere yet? What was, what was the very first thing they were told to do? But what have they done? Stayed. Sitting on their sitters. So let's see what happens. In those days, when the number of the disciples was increasing, 
the Hellenistic Jews and began to complain about the Hebraic Jews. The widows were fighting over bread. I would submit that many of our social problems we have in church is because we're not going on mission and we begin to fight over bread. Selah. The number of disciples in Jerusalem increased rapidly. Oh, this is great. We're going to be done pretty, pretty quickly. And then, and so to deal with the problem of the, of the widows, what did they do? They did, um, so this is year three. They, they, uh, they established deacons. You guys remember two deacons we remember by name. Do you guys remember? Stephen and Philip. Stephen decided to go out in a blaze of glory. The best sermon ever. If you guys read this sermon, just read it with open eyes. He basically tells the Jews, you all are a bunch of idiots. Strangely enough, they stoned him. I don't know why. He basically told them a Sunday school lesson and then said, you are evil. And they killed him. But anyway, and, as, and, but in, and what happened is it started a, uh, a massive uh, persecution right? And they drove the disciples out of Jerusalem. Yay! They're finally what? <laughs> Listen, if you won't go, you will be goad. <laughs> he will goad you into going. You either go or you get goad. That's how it works. <laughs> we have a mission. We have a call. We're not, it's not to sit in here on our sitters. It's to go out there and to go where the harvest is. The transformation we experience here is to take it there, to bring it in here, to take it there. Anyway, and so as a result, it said, on that day, a great persecution broke out against the church in Jerusalem, and they were scattered, and all except the apostles were scattered throughout Judea and Samaria. They're holding on to their thrones. They're not moving. <laughs> but thank goodness, Philip didn't get the memo. Because what does Philip do? It says he, Philip went down to the city of Samaria, chapter 8, and it proclaimed the Messiah there. When the crowds heard Philip and all the signs he performed, they all paid close attention to what he said. For with shrieks, impure spirits came out of many, and many who were paralyzed and lame were healed. These are better than the apostles just saying. If you want to see signs and wonders, go. They're a whole lot easier out there than in here. Just saying. So there was great joy in the city. Okay, guys, we're sometime around year four at this point. Samaria is two days walk that way from Jerusalem. Four years they're waiting for the gospel. Four years those people were suffering, waiting for someone to come and give them the good news. They actually had to pass through Fotini's hometown to get there. They weren't even going to Fotini's, the Samaritan woman. But Philip goes, I love that. And then I love, Philip goes again. Do you guys remember? He's going down on, a, on, he's going in another direction. He's going on a main road and he sees this Ethiopian go by in a chariot. And he goes, hey, hey. And here's the guy is reading from the book of Isaiah. So he does what you do when you see a guy in a chariot reading from the book of Isaiah. He speeds up to catch up with him. And the guy goes, who will teach me? What, it, what does this even mean? And, and Philip goes, I will. And he jumps in, and then he leads the guy to Jesus in the chariot. 
They see, a, they see an oasis. They pull off to the side. He said, what's to keep me from being baptized? Philip says, I'll do it. They baptize him. And the minute he gets baptized, what happens to him? He gets teleported to a totally different place. Why did he get teleported? His mission was done. He didn't have an exit strategy. Listen, if you're walking somewhere and somebody picks you up in a chariot, you have no way to get back. And he's going through the desert. It says there's an oasis. If you have to have a backup plan, you won't go where he's taking you. If you and I don't, if we, if we have to have it all figured out, he can't take us there. But let me tell you, if you want to see great signs and wonders, you got to go. So it goes on, it goes on, it's, it's awesome. Chapter, chapter 9, oh my goodness. Chapter 9, we have Saul's conversion. This is so exciting. Finally, we're getting somewhere. He can't get the apostles to go, so what does he do? He gets Saul. He gets, he gets their number one enemy. I wonder if he was just like, anybody? 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 Bueller? Bueller? What's going on here? We, we've got this. And he goes, he grabs, he gets Saul. So this is about somewhere in their five, six, fifth year, Saul comes to know God. And, and he, he's actually chasing uh, the, the, the disciples. I mean, the followers of Jesus have fled to Damascus um, up in the north. And so he's following them there to, to hunt them down. And in the process, he gets radically saved. And what is the first thing he does? is he begins to preach the gospel and get persecuted. And so they, they get him out of town, and he goes for three years into Arabia uh, to just hanging out, learning from the Lord, goes, ends up going to the disciples in Jerusalem, and the disciples are afraid to meet with him. I have made one of the biggest idols in my life safety. Self-protection and safety. Comfort, self-protection and safety. And over and over again in my life, it has led me to a small, narrow place. Small, narrow place. Here is the guy who is going to take the gospel to the nations and the disciples are afraid to meet with him. They can't see what's right in front of them. They're afraid of losing what little they have. So the church is being scattered and they're holding on, still waiting for thrones. Not going. Because they're afraid of losing what little they have. And so Saul goes back home, which I don't know about you, sometimes that's the worst, right? You're like, oh, anywhere but there. But he does. He sends you to Jerusalem, Judea, and to the, Samaria. And he sends him back. And we have this whole situation where, honestly, so for three years he's in Arabia. And then he gets sent back there. And then he's there probably another six years until, guess what? People start getting saved in Antioch. This is way up in the north, Antioch. If we can pull up those series of maps, Elijah, there at the end, I'm sorry, I, I just threw those on the end. If you look, the city of Jerusalem, next one, 
growing church there, right? Next one. The widow's crisis, right? Stephen's persecution, they go to Samaria. Man, then Saul, so there you go, stop, that's good. So there they go, they go up to Antioch. They're in the far north and they're up there. And guess who's getting saved? Gentiles, non-Jewish people. Now what did they think they were up till now? They thought they were Jewish. They thought that this was Judaism, the old wineskin. They thought it was Judaism. They thought it was just, it's what we've expected. This is how it is. But guess what? Now Gentiles are getting saved. We don't know what to do. So guess who goes? Does a disciple go? Nope. They're still sitting on their sinners. Barnabas goes. Barnabas goes. And he begins to disciple these guys. And he realizes, well, they're saved. I don't know what to do with this. They're saved. I'm sorry, I jumped ahead. I jumped ahead. I jumped over Acts 10, where Peter does finally go accidentally to a, uh, a Gentile's house. And there's a breakthrough there. But it's all in the area of Judea. And so then we have this whole thing. As they, Barnabas goes up to the church at Antioch, and he, there he is ministering. And it's incredible, but he's out of his depth. So he, does he get a disciple to help him? No, he goes and gets Saul. And he brings Saul in and they begin to go and they begin to minister. And God is doing such a massive work with the Gentiles that breaks all their boxes. They go down to the disciples of Jerusalem because they're not coming up to ask them, what do we do? And the end result is they go, listen, we don't understand what's going on, but here's the deal. Just no sexual immorality, no drinking blood, and remember the poor. That's, a, that's less than 10 rules. What? Wow, they step way out of Judaism at this point. And the next thing you see is them sending out in 15. You see them 15 eight, uh, years after Jesus. They send Paul out on a missionary trip to go to where? The nations. Okay. 15 years. Can I ask you some questions? Yeah. Okay. So I feel like they had to transition so over this 15 years, right? Yeah. I mean, it was 15 years, but still, the transition, the mental transition was mind-boggling, right? So I don't think I ever quite understood that they were just still waiting for everyone to come to Jerusalem for it to establish the kingdom, and that's how they imagined Christianity rolling out. Yeah. Like, can you talk a little bit more of what their expectation would have been from the Old Testament? Well, from the Old Testament, um, by law... Three times a year, every male had to come to Jerusalem. The whole point was gathering in Jerusalem. And they just kept gathering and gathering and gathering. That's why at Passover, there'd be four million people. Nowhere to stay, but we're gathering, we're gathering. And so often in the church, that's what we end up doing, don't we? We're good at gathering. We're not really good at going. For the same reason, we think if we, they'll all just come through the doors. We think that the world will just want what we have. But in fact, God was saying, go. There's a world out there that's dying. Go, make disciples of all nations, mm -hmm. all people groups. And, and, and you look, who does he send? He sends Peter, the bad Jew, to the Jews. And he spend, sends uh, Paul, the great Jew, to the Gentiles. This has been really wrecking my heart um, lately. Just the whole idea that God, you know, G God 
so loved the world that he, he went. <laughs> he went to where we were. He didn't expect us to kind of work it out and come up to where he is and to understand. But he laid everything down and he went. He made himself massively uncomfortable and he went. And he's been like working on my heart and saying like, Masha, like they're not going to just come. You have to go. You have to go and step over things that are uncomfortable. Step over um, step out of your comfort zone. You have to like, and that's just so much the understanding that that's Jesus living in me is always going to look like going. It's not going to look like me staying in my comfort zone. Jesus Christ in me, the hope of glory is love always goes. Love always gives. It's not something that's just self-contained and I'm just a good Christian um, just here in my little castle, just because I'm praying to God. No, it's Christ expresses through us. Jesus expresses through us. This new creation expresses through us as we go. And going, for most of us, does not mean going to, I don't know where, Africa, right? Yeah. That's like, why he says go to Jerusalem. Like for most of us, it's going to be, like if you're a mom, it's probably going to be going to a local park. Neighbors. Neighbors, right? Co-workers. It's people who you are around already. Right? But it's just shifting our, our view that we are not only... And I've loved that I think as a body we've got introduced to the concept of sowing seeds. Can I address that? Just go off to that for a minute. And I think it's beautiful. But just... Jesus did not send us out just to sow seeds. What did he say to do? Pray the Lord of the harvest to send no, out No, hold on, workers. hold on. Oh, what sorry. did he say? But after go, what's after go? Make disciples. Make disciples. I have to be like super real. I have not seen um, anyone really do that very much, <laughs> including myself. So I feel like we are pressing into it hard form. Um, of how to lead someone to the Lord and then to disciple them from scratch, okay? Not someone who is like churched and already knows all the stuff, but someone who has no grid to, to take them through. And I feel like that's what he is wanting to train, yeah. not just us, right? Because we are just very limited. But like every single person in here, I feel like he wants to train us and to equip us and to disciple us to be disciple makers. Come on. In our circles. Come on. Who's freaking out right now? Hey, be real. Come on. I'm freaking out. Come on. But I really believe that's what we're on the edge of, of this great harvest, right? That we've been praying for, for like, I don't know, 20 years for some of us, right? For 50, I don't know how many. Um, it's almost here. It's here. It's here. It's here. And it's like, Jesus, Jesus, I don't want to miss it. No, I, that's where I've been, on, in all honesty. I'm like, you want me to open my home and invite anyone? Like, Artie and I, um, what did we do? We posted my, my house thing on um, Facebook thing with 20,000 women, right? It's like, Jesus, <laughs> right? Like, I don't know. Like, I don't want to have, a, you know, what Peter was saying about self-protection and just me being in my little comfort thing. 
I don't want that to hold me from what he has in this season. And I feel like he is shifting us. It's, it's, like, it's been like super uncomfortable for me, y'all. And it's gonna, I promise you, it's going to be super uncomfortable for you too. <laughs> okay? It's going to be super uncomfortable, but it's going to be worth it. Because he's, we're going to step into what he has created us for and what he has sent us here to this earth for. Your life is going to suck. I'm sorry. Can I be real for a minute? If you don't do what he says, if you don't step into what he's calling, no matter how scary it is, no matter how much you safeguard your life and make it nice, it's going to be miserable. Come on. Okay? Because you were created, I was created to live on mission, to live on fire, to give, to go. You were created for that too. And you, like so many of us, have been dying a slow death, not going. Come on. And like wondering what the heck is going wrong. But it's just because we've been scared and we've made excuses. Who's made excuses? Me. I am foremost queen of excuses. Right? Yeah. True? I don't, I don't have time. I, I, <laughs> but you challenged me, I think, a year ago. Um, I, I think I shared that with my bedtime. <laughs> It started, it's all started there. So I was like, I really have it on my heart to open up my house to young adults. Well, you just said you wanted to reach young adults. You didn't even know, you didn't want to open it. <laughs> yeah, your I didn't home. go the no, whole We weren't route. there. We weren't there. <laughs> and, and Peter's like, well, do you realize that they stay up really late? <laughs> and I was like, well, well, I go to bed at 9.30. <laughs> <laughs> so we have 30 minutes. <laughs> 30-minute and, and Peter was like in my face, like, and you need someone to be in your face. I'm in your face today, okay? And then you, you will get someone else in your face. <laughs> Jesus will be in your face. Um, and he said, um, well, you've been talking about wanting revival for like 15 years. What do you want? Um, to go to bed on time or do you want revival? I was like, well, crap, I don't know. <laughs> the cost is too high, Lord. Here they are, send them. Probably to go to bed. Um, really, right? And I was like, okay, well, maybe I can stay up one night a week, like every other week, one night a week. Oh, Jesus, help me. I'm being real, okay? Who is there still, like... Like, it's, it seems just impossible, right? Like, too much, even though it's, like, so small, right? So we started doing it, and it has been the most amazing thing that we've ever, you know, like, incredible, right, Anjali? Like, our young adult thing is amazing, and it's late at night. No one is here in the morning, right? Like, you are a hero. You are a hero. <laughs> Come on. But everyone is there at night and stay there till midnight, right? <laughs> they would stay longer. They would stay longer, but I do have to go to bed. I have to draw a line somewhere. <sighs> well, let me, let me back up. So, so, so I, I don't know about you, but... Um, I grew up in, in, in a culture where we were told to go, 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 because Jesus said so. And that, that was hard on my heart. I'm just going to be real. Anybody here, you get told what you should do, and it just hurts. Listen to this. This is why we go. This is why we go. 2 Corinthians 5. 
verse 17. For if anyone is in Christ, they are a new creation. We're totally new. We're something totally different than we were before. We're not this self-protecting, self-fulfilling person. We are a new creation, right? Something totally different. The old is gone. The new is here. All of this is from where? From God. It's from God. It comes from God. It's his life in us. It's his life. And what does his life look like? He who reconciled us to himself through Christ, like Masha talked about, him coming and going and and surrendering and laying down his life for the sake of others, that God was reconciling the world to himself in Christ. Notice God was never needed to be reconciled to God, but the world was reconciled to him. He 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 was never our enemy in Christ, not counting people's sins against them. And he has committed to us the message of reconciliation. So see, if we are a new creation, what does that look like? Oh, we are therefore Christ's ambassadors. As though God were making his appeal through us, we implore you on Christ's behalf, be reconciled to God. See, we don't go simply because he said to. We go because he's in us, and that's what he does. Because that's who we are. That's who we are. We could not separate the new creation and an ambassador. That's part of our identities. Two sides of the coin. They're together. They're together. And as long as we are not stepping out and exploring and moving into the ambassador part, we're going to have a hard time with experiencing the new part. Well, they couple simultaneously. And I'm just going to be real on this. You know what? I, uh, if I stay in this environment very long, I become a connoisseur. You know what a connoisseur is? Oh, my. The, the thing with bread, right? Yeah, like, oh, my. You know, this is, uh, right? To the hungry. Have you ever been around a new believer? They're like, you mean, you mean, you mean people get healed? Oh, my gosh, that's incredible. Like, oh, yeah, well, sometimes. <laughs> right? Oh, my gosh, you mean you can get freed of adi- from addiction? What? Yeah, but if you want to be addicted, you can do that, too. Right? Like, like. Like, I, I don't, it's just so bizarre. Like, every time I'm around a new believer, I'm like, oh, yeah, that's what I signed up for. I want to be in that kingdom. Not this kingdom of wah, 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 wah. Right? Any, no, nobody? I don't want to be wah, 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 wah. Oh, my gosh, this, is, this music does nothing for me. <laughs> like, I don't want to be that person. Oh, my goodness, they called us forward. Uh, I have to get out of my seat. My goodness. I don't want to move. I didn't, oh my God. No, I want, listen, hungry people will run, go the distance to get bread. They will cross any distance to get, I want to live hungry, but I won't live hungry if I'm sitting in the deep inside the kingdom of a connoisseur. I want to be there where the bread is good because you're hungry. Anybody here done a massive long hike? And you got done, and you opened your backpack, and all of your, your supplies were like smushed into one block. But you were so hungry, it tasted so good. That's where I want to live. That's where you and I are meant to live. We're not meant to live. It's out there that we're going to see the signs and wonders. Out there where we're moved by his heart of compassion and love. Out there we will see the breakthrough. When we go, not waiting for our breakthrough, but we go to give the breakthrough away, we will see the breakthrough in our own lives. 
But I want to say this, and this is, this is the part of repentance, what Marina said about the old wineskin. So when we planted this church, we thought, we tried to have a new wineskin, and we did as much as we knew how, but what did we do? Exactly what the disciples did. We took what we knew of church, right? Not that, not that, not that, not that, that, okay, and we put it here. And that's why you see our church is very different. And many of you said this, but it's not as different as it's going to be. Because this is not a church for sinners or babysitters. (laughs) This is a church for us to walk in our identity and destiny. Now that's going to mean different things in different places as you go right? Some of you are going into the marketplace to bring businesses to invade the world in that way, but you're going to encounter people who need an encounter with Jesus Christ. You're going to do business differently. You're going to do your jobs differently. You're going to demonstrate a different kingdom, and you're going to bring people into an encounter with a different kingdom. And when they ask you for the hope that you have, you go, ha ha, <laughs> the reason is this. Would you like some bread? And we are training. We're yeah. going through a training right now. Um, pushing us out of our pushing boat. Pushing us out of our boat, yes. Um, it's called Acts Now, and we are actually um, training how to lead someone to the Lord and then disciple them. And there's a small group that's doing it right now. But uh, on, my, on our hearts is that everyone in this body goes through that training. Well, so each yeah. one of us is equipped for where he's taking us. Because I, I will be super real. I... Like, especially once I started going, I was like, oh, my word, I have so many questions. Like, so many questions. And I felt so, like, unprepared of how, how to do this, right? Because I don't feel like we see it taught and modeled, you know? Like, how do you lead someone? Like, what do you say? Like, what is my testimony? How do I share it? How do I share the gospel with someone that's not, like, overwhelming and two hours long, Right simply how and then how do I disciple them I I will say this very simply you don't argue them into the kingdom Mm -hmm. you don't prove them into the kingdom you love them into the kingdom Mm -hmm. you demonstrate a different kingdom and so um I want to say this if you're interested in uh in being getting some tools for leading people to Christ bringing people new encounter in discipleship there's a uh, clipboard up here afterwards. You can put your name down with your email. Um, we'll follow up with you. But I want to say this again. So if you are not uncomfortable right now, we haven't done it right. I'm, I'm being really serious. I'm really being serious. Uncomfortable means there's a place he's calling me to and I'm not there yet. Is anybody there yet? No, none of us is there yet. So be comforted. But that discomfort is what allows us to lean into the more. And what Masha said is it's baby steps. It's not all there. Let me say, let me end with this. It's not this. I've shared this before, but it's always a fun story and it will help you out. I remember there was a point in my life where I realized I wasn't reaching anybody for Christ in a long time, mainly because my life was a complete train wreck. But that was another issue. Anybody here tried to clean yourself up all up in one swell swoop? Anyway. And I was riding a bus from Cincinnati, Ohio to Columbus, Ohio, and I'm on a Greyhound bus, and I realize I need to share the gospel with somebody. (laughs) And I'm starting to hyperventilate. Anybody? And there's a guy across the aisle from me, and it's about an hour and a half ride, and about a half hour in, I'm like, (gasps) and I turn to him, and I go, (gasps) 
Do you know Jesus Christ is your personal Lord and Savior? You wrote down, I don't know, would you go to heaven? <laughs> the guy looks at me and goes, uh-huh. I was like, oh, good. <sighs> it was the most uncomfortable hour of the rest of that ride. <laughs> That's not it. We go because love constrains us. But we're also going to get some tools so the anxiety, our anxiety will go down, right? And we actually will be confident in what we're sharing and how to share it. All right. So what did I say this at, at the beginning? The reason why the Holy Spirit came, because without it, you and I aren't going to be able to go. But that's why he came not to solve all of our problems, not to make our lives easy and good, but he came to transform us so that we look like Christ. As he is, so are we in this life. That's why he came. We could have the worship team come up. Part of why we're having this burn night is to be equipped through the burning up of the idols that we've had, the things that we've said, I would go, Lord, but I can't because of this. Remember the, the parable of the banquet? He sent out invitations to the banquet. One said, oh, I cannot come. I just got married. Another said, I've got a couple of oxen. I don't know what's up with that. But I can't. I'm too busy. I don't know about you, but he's calling us to come to the harvest. And I want to say yes. Even though I'm afraid, I want to say yes. And I say, Lord, consume me and everything I have. Let's stand. For more information, go to AriseLife.org or follow us on Facebook, Twitter, or Instagram.